Welcome everyone to episode 152 of the Reds Unrestricted podcast. I'm your host David Comerford and in today's episode we're going to be taking a look at what's happening with the Anfield Road Stand. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. So the expanded Anfield Road was supposed to be open at the start of the season. But as we've seen against Bournemouth, as we've seen against Aston Villa, we'll have been running at a reduced capacity uh, for those first two games. And it's been confirmed today that it will be at least three more matches um, at that reduced capacity. So for this international break episode, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're joined by the Echoes Business of Football writer, Dave Powell. And Dave's just going to basically fill us in on what's been happening, why there's been a delay and when we can expect some form of resolution. So, Dave, until today, there hadn't been any work on the expansion for a period of about three weeks. So can you just fill us in on how we got to that point and how that happened? Um, so Liverpool were notified um, August 17th, or just before, um, about Buckingham Group, who were the contractors, the Anfield Road, and being, uh, well, signalling their intention to appoint administrators, um, due to financial failings of the business, largely which were related to delays on various number of projects, which led to severe cash flow problems. So in turn, what that meant was while they were heading towards uh, administration and uh, seeking any buyers at the last minute to try and rescue them from administration, um, they ceased trading. So all work stopped, all workers come off site. They don't take any more liabilities on in terms of work. Um, so all that stopped. They could only find purchases for the rail division, which they sold to the Kia group for about 9.6 million. Um, the rest, including the stadium division, um, couldn't find a buyer. And as such, they they fell into administration earlier this week. I mean, there's 446 people uh, lost their jobs unfortunately uh, and obviously that's that's the human cost of it all in terms of the the business cost at liverpool in in um Buckingham group going into administration what that's meant is legally liverpool then take back ownership of uh, the construction site which means then they can move forward and uh, appoint new contractors which which they have done yeah and we'll we'll come on to that a little bit more in a second and i think as you as you rightly say you know the key point to stress here is that the the job losses um associated with the project are a lot more obviously important than what's happening with, with Liverpool and in this obviously you know multi million dollar operation um doesn't really kind of compare in terms of the the consequences there I suppose but um the Buckingham Group am I right in saying they have also been responsible for the the stand at Fulham which seems to have you know gone on you know, for a lot longer than was anticipated originally. It, do we think it's just kind of a bit of a almost occupational hazard when you're expanding, you know, when, you, when you're launching an ambitious expansion like this? And is it an issue a lot of clubs will encounter where, um, whether it'll be kind of the company run into issues or there'll be various other problems? And was Liverpool's timeline maybe a little bit optimistic or do you think this is something that um, was just kind of completely unforeseen? It was unforeseen. I mean, and, and also, I mean, they, they entered into the contract with a with a, a company which was in in rude health. So, I mean, the, the issues have, have occurred further on down the line here, quite late in the day. I mean, it, this could have, if this would have happened, uh, say, eight nine weeks ago, when the you know the, the huge construction work was taking place uh, on the pitch, etc. I mean, it would have been even more impactful. But 
this <clears throat> this means that it's you know at least Liverpool get to, to kind of move ahead and should should be fairly straightforward from from here on in. But yeah, it's very difficult. The, these things happen during construction sometimes. I mean, the last major construction company to 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 kind of collapse was um, the Carillion Group in 2018, and that left um, a lot of developments uh, in limbo, including some in Liverpool. So it's a uh, it's is a it's, it's a hazard of, of, of undertaking major projects. I mean, due diligence is done on these companies before they enter into the, in, into a contract. I mean, um, these companies tender for business, and a lot goes into to seeing whether these companies can deliver. Um, but obviously, during the period of two years or, or, or so, things can happen, uh, which mean, I mean, and notably in, in terms of Buckingham Group, delays on a number of sites and and huge cost implications for that have meant that they've, you know, they've had a serious cash flow issue um, and it's become a, an insurmountable financial issue for them, which has meant that they've had to call in um, the administrators and they can't find a buyer for the business. So these things, they are they are par for the, the course. Um, unfortunately, it's uh, it's a risk that is undertaken. There's no one, no firm, I mean, no one would have thought Carillion would have gone under in 2018, but they did. Um, no firm's immune from this type of thing. Um, but it's it would have been very difficult for Liverpool, even if they would have felt that there were issues in the months prior to do anything, because you know it would have cost them money and a, and a legal wrangling to exit a contract um, midway through, uh, and for the same uh, the same outcome in effect. At least uh, this means you know if you think about it, from August seventeenth when we were notified of this, we're now on um, September seventh. And Liverpool have appointed a new contractor, and they can press ahead as as per. So, um, impact has been um, minimalised for the most part, I think, uh, on Liverpool's behalf. I don't think it really. It would have been a different story, maybe, if uh, a buyer would have been found before administration, because that would have meant um, a period of due diligence, um, some legal frameworks, legal wranglings, and then then comes the assessment of the job at Liverpool, as well as the assessment of the rest of the portfolio. So I think this is more focused, and, and this is a, a quicker resolution than than had um, Buckingham received a buyer for the stadium division. So in Liverpool's, from Liverpool's point of view, um, this is the, the swiftest resolution they could probably find. Yeah, it, it looked like maybe it had potential to to drag on a little bit longer than than it might end up doing. Um, so I, I mean, at least there is that in terms of the uh, the, the mitigation. But You've mentioned there, you know, a couple of times that Liverpool have, have got this kind of new contract. And can you can you tell us a little bit more about that? What what Liverpool have, have been able to do in the past few days to kind of address the, the standstill that the construction's come to? Yeah. So what, as soon as the uh, Buckingham Group went into into administration legally, uh, Liverpool end their relationship with them. They take back control of the site, which means that then they could engage contractors, subcontractors. Um, many of the subcontractors they want to try and engage are ones who were working with the Buckingham Group, so as to limit the the financial impact on them, um, because they are the the kind of the collateral damage of all this. You know, the subcontractors who work with the main, you know the main contractors, they are the the guys that don't get paid, etc. And um, so Liverpool are trying to engage as many of them as possible. But um, today, which is um, September seventh, they signed contracts with um, Rainer Rowan, it's a Preston-based construction company, who will now oversee the process. Um, of the construction moving forward. I mean, in terms of timeframes, it's still very difficult to say. I know Billy Hogan, the Liverpool CEO, said um, last month when he addressed the situation that October still was something they were working towards, but there's no guarantee around that. It's, it, I mean, Rainer Rowan will now come in, assess the situation, see what needs to be done, 
um, and then give their own revised time frame around what they think can be delivered. Um, from Liverpool's statement, they say the reduced capacity will be in effect for the West Ham game, the Leicester City game, and the uh, the game of the Union uh, Saint Gilles in um, in the Europa League. After that, uh, it'll be assessed, and then incremental uh, capacity increase um, will likely be brought into effect. But there's no no guaranteed date on when we're going to get full capacity. But um, but after those three games, we'll have a, certainly have a better idea um, of where we're going to be. Workers or some workers have already returned to site to do to do some work around the job. It is largely a a refit. I mean, the most, the bulk of the construction work, the serious construction work, has has already been done. So, um, it is largely kind of refit work. Some some kind of structural work in terms of the outside, uh, etc., needs to be addressed. But for the most part, it's kind of into refit seats, electricals, fitting it all out. So it should be fairly straightforward um, for the contractor coming in. There shouldn't be too many kind of skeletons in the closet or anything like that. So. Um, so hopefully, after those three games, we'll get an increment, incremental increase, and before long, um, we'll get up to the sixty-one thousand, which will uh, is, is what the plan was for the start of the season. Yeah, and um, we'll we'll touch on that a little bit more um, in a moment. But in terms of the, the financial side of things here, obviously, you know, it's this huge project Liverpool have, have undertaken um, as part of FSG's kind of broader vision. You know, we've seen what they've done already with the main stand, the Anfield Road, and what was the next one. Um, and it's been something that's been one of the club's biggest kind of initiatives in, in the past couple of years. You know, there's been kind of suggestions as well that because of the, the money being, you know, devoted into it, that maybe transfer budgets were affected, things like that. Um, but obviously those things are meant to kind of come back into your pocket later down the line because you're adding all these extra seats, extra you know tickets, things like that. Um, the plan uh, and obviously the, the forecast would have been based on the fact that it was going to be open for the start of the season. That, that, that's what we always kind of heard and you know we saw as soon as last season ended really and, and even during the season, you know, work you know begun and then obviously really stepped up uh, during the summer. And they didn't manage to get to that um meet that initial deadline for the game against Bournemouth Liverpool's first home game. Um so is there an estimate of like how much money is being kind of lost with each game at the moment? Because we're in this sort of strange situation where the stadium's being expanded, but they're actually running at a capacity that's lower than what it would be if there hadn't been any expansion, just because obviously of the um the fact that the the whole upper tier of, of the Anfield Road as it was has been shut as well. So, I mean, what kind of damage would it be doing? Because like you say, it could still go on for quite a few more home games yet. Um, I think FSG would have planned for some element or some wriggle room in terms of what they, their, their financial forecast of, of what financially may have happened in terms of if there was any delay. Um, yeah, so they're operating on 50,000, which is about 4,000 4, less than the normal capacity was last season. Um, 61,000. Is what it would be. Um, from from some calculations I did recently, I think it, it works out about seven hundred thousand, seven hundred fifty thousand in terms of what the club are losing um, per game when compared to the sixty one thousand. Maybe they were they were feeling they were going to get, um, and that's you know that goes on for as long as. But that doesn't include maybe food and beverage sales, any extra hospitality things like that. So all that's impactful. Um, but eventually it won't be such a a burden a cost burden for them i imagine they've they've planned for some kind of 
delay uh, financially or, or of, of kind of a rainy little bit of rainy day money somewhere for that kind of thing to happen. But um, yeah, it, it's there is a cost involved for Liverpool as well as in terms of engaging new contractors to finish the building because Liverpool now you know uh, they've had to kind of start from scratch again and incur, incurred a lot of new costs with regards to this. So um, it, it's been been an expensive um, issue to resolve, but one which isn't, you know, it's not going to be, um, they're not going to be counting the cost of the delay of this in terms of pulling it out of next season's transfer budget or anything. It's just the cost of business and one they would have planned for in some way, shape or form. Um, and also it won't be, you know, it, it's it's probably going to be mitigated from what it may have been um, had this occurred a few weeks earlier when serious structural work was needed to be done. And we would have run into gain, you know, we could have been looking towards January time, February time before um, full capacities there. Um, but the stadium is managed throughout. So a lot of these developments, when they're in in place, um, clubs aren't always able to use those stands. So you look at Fulham, that's a stand which has barely been able to be used um, throughout the process. But, you, you know, the Anfield Road end, for the most part, has been able to be, you know, the, the work has gone on around it. Obviously, the lower the lower section of it's open this uh for the start of this season so it's not it's not been as as bad as it could have been uh, and i think the fact that uh, this is probably going to be a swift resolution means we end of end of october early november we should um, we should have a better picture of what we're doing yeah i suppose the the main thing is that the you know the stand is still open just you know the people can still play obviously their games there as normal it's just you know they buy runners capacity that's slightly reduced compared to last season obviously you know considerably less than what it would be in the new full Anfield. hopefully it's kind of worth it in the end i suppose um so you alluded to it earlier we know that the next the next three home games are going to be run with the same arrangements as the first two against bournemouth and aston villa and then so you, you said earlier you think it's going to be the phase reopening that they originally planned with that if all goes to plan, is that then going to kick into gear after that uh, first Europa League game at Anfield? Well, that, that's what was suggested in the in the statement from Liverpool. They said it's going to be um, incremental increase. Uh, obviously, with each increase, once once work is completed on the upper tier, they'll have to get that completely assessed, signed off. Um, whether it needs another test event potentially, I don't know. That's not been um, been mentioned anything I've read, but that could be a possibility. Um, so it is bit by bit, really. It takes as it be take as long as it takes for them to be comfortable that they are opening the stand um, when it is good and ready, as opposed to uh, what's the the quickest route to to get back to the financial picture that they were they're expecting. Um, but yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be incremental. But I imagine once those three games have been done, and if if work gets underway swiftly, which it has already done, I mean some some small work has started already. Um, if they can get workers on the ground quickly, a lot of subcontractors engaged means they can. The quicker they get the work done, the uh, the quicker we can um, we can get back to seeing a full house at Liverpool. But I imagine um, that for a couple of games after that, at least after that um, Union game in the Europa League, um, we'll probably just see bit by bit the capacity start to increase until full, until such time it's signed off completely, and then everyone's happy that um, it can open up in full and we can um, draw a line under the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, you know, we kind of, I mean, let's see how many games it takes for that capacity to ramp up, whether it's going to be kind of a third at a time, whether it's going to be much more incremental. We'll see, obviously, how that goes. And that will obviously depend on kind of the, the safety aspect and things like that. But, 
you know, visibly looking at the stadium now. I mean, first of all, it, it just does look quite strange seeing, you know, the whole kind of empty, empty stand um, or certainly empty tier of the stand uh, behind that goal. But also, you wouldn't say it looks kind of, and you touched on this earlier as well, a million miles away from being finished, you know. Um, you can see some of the seats are in place already. Um, I know there's already, like like you say, there's been there's been a test event for the what the stand looked like at the start of the season. It looks like that's sort of a cause for optimism as well. And and like you've mentioned, it shouldn't be too arduous to kind of put the finishing touches to that stand. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, and I don't think it is. From people I've spoken to at the club, they seem to suggest it's um. It's largely kind of a, a refit job at the moment. I don't know what um, the situation is in terms of um, hospitality in the stand, bars, things like that. I don't know how far along any of those things are, but I imagine uh, it's not just the seats. It's um, it's everything that goes into it, elect- electrics, and you've got kind of the safety issues around it. Um, so, so there's a lot that goes into development to this this size and stature. Um, and a lot of hoops have to be uh, be be jumped through. So, hopefully, um, it will be fairly straightforward. It's uh, you know the subcontractors or the contractors will know exactly what they're doing once they've assessed it. But um, I, I, from from the noises I've heard, it's it's going to be a it, it's a job which should be picked up with relative ease by whoever's coming in, um, which is Rainer Rowan, uh, and that sh- should mean a, a swifter resolution. Yeah, and as you said um, already. I kind of, in a way, obviously you'd rather things smoothly and no issues whatsoever, but at least when the issues have been encountered, it's sort of maybe, you know, 75%, 80% done or whatever, as opposed to, you know, if it had been at the start, then it could cause a lot more disruption. Um, just one or two quick questions then before we before we finish up. I mean, sure. we talked about the money that's been lost so far and we might lose. And obviously, you know, it, it adds up, but hopefully it doesn't put too big a hole in the account or anything like that. What are the projections from the ownership for the stand once it is completed in terms of how much money it's going to generate for Liverpool, how much extra money um, compared to what, what the capacity was previously? Well, they've not made any projections themselves, but um, certainly not publicly. But if you look at the Premier League and the um, the match day revenues, Liverpool sit 84, 85 million in terms of match day revenue. There's only two teams that um, have broken the 100 million barrier. That is... Uh, Tottenham through obviously their the new stadium, which has been a game changer for them or will be over the longer term. Um, and, and United, uh, Arsenal may break back into that given the increase in games that they'll play in the Champions League uh, this coming season. But for Liverpool, I imagine over time, um, once it's complete and the year after that, we'll probably see Liverpool break into that 100 million club. Um, I imagine that it'll be them, United and, and Spurs that do it. Um, and that's that's the the goal really. You know, it's uh, this has been a eighty million pound investment to increase uh, match day revenue by fifteen million pound a year. So it doesn't take an awful long time for that to kind of repay itself over time. You know, so uh, and that's it's it's attract it's more attractive to um, future investors or or purchases of the football club because FSG won't be be here forever. I think they'll be here for a, a quite a while yet, but I don't think they'll be here, they won't be here forever. But um, it's all about being kind of value additive and continuing to to grow the business and grow the asset and grow the real estate and that's kind of what they do that's what they did in in boston with the fenway park and um, they've got a redevelop they've got development there 
uh, going on around Fenway Park called Fenway Corners, which is, is, is over a billion dollar development, um, which is real estate development of the neighborhood, offices, hospitality, hotels, restaurants. Uh, they've got the MGM music venue which, uh, in Boston on the corner there. Uh, by Fenway Park, so there's a lot of re- they they have a do- they have a division for real estate. Fenway do, and, and obviously they they invest in the ass- the real estate assets that they have, and this is just another part of that. Pick up on that just to finish off. I mean, kind of visibly looking at the stadium, it's hard, it's hard to know what else can be done to um I suppose make it more profitable or or add any further updates to it. I mean, looking at it originally, it did sort of you did sort of think to yourself, you know. The main stand in the Anfield Road was where there was that sort of opportunity, just in terms of where the stadium situated. Um, do you kind of foresee, or is there any sort of possibility of a further work being done to the stadium? What do you think? Obviously, it's been quite a lot of upheaval now. We've seen the capacity since what was it, twenty sixteen, when the, the new main stand opened. So that that's you know, in, in seven years' time, the capacity will have gone from sort of mid forties to sixty thousand. Do you think the current version of Anfield might be here to sort of stick around for a while now? I think so. I think there's a lot of um, there'd be a lot to unpick to try and um, increase stands, you know, the cop or or anything like that. So it's going to be that's a challenge um, and one that is from from speaking to people in the US last year. It seemed to be that one that they'll have a look at what they can do, but. They kind of seem at the moment certainly they're at the limit of what they feel with a stadium they can do, but that's not to say that um, they might not per, uh, pursue more real estate um, developments in Liverpool. That could be maybe they purchase their own, you know, maybe they try and create their own music venue in Liverpool, or you know, it's it's a city which is the most recognised with music in the world, you know, you'd argue. Um, so maybe that's you know maybe they do like they've done there in Boston with their own venue or entertainment hall or they try and redevelop a, an area of Liverpool through that type of thing. But in terms of actual stadium d- development, increasing capacity, I think for for the time being at least, I don't. There's certainly no no plans on the table anywhere to 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 increase that. I think we'll be at we'll be where we are for for a little while yet. Yeah, and obviously sixty one thousand. It's not and to get closer to the territory of kind of. Befitting, I suppose, the the size of the club, you know, the kind of the the giant teams in in Europe and and in England as well. Obviously, um, kind of entering that elite bracket now in terms of capacity. But yeah, we'll we'll leave it there. Thanks very much, Dave. I'm gonna put Dave's uh, Twitter handle in the episode description so you can follow him on there. And also remember to check out all his work on the Echo. There'll be obviously be further updates with this situation. It's still not been completely resolved yet. So anything else that happens, they will have it covered on the Echo website. And in terms of our podcast, if you've enjoyed this episode, please do give us a five-star rating. We very much appreciate it. Remember, if you follow the podcast, press the notification button, it'll appear in your feed and you'll get a message every time we post a new episode. But yeah, we'll be back next week. And until then, take care.